Well, thank you all for being here today. Uh, first of all, on behalf of myself and my family, I want to thank everybody for the outpouring of love that we received last weekend. We are truly blessed and truly thankful for everything that y'all have done for us, and we are thankful to be here. You know, again, this was one of those moments that I love seeing how God ties things together and puts things together, and for what y'all don't, y'all, when Mary was giving her talk, how she skipped ahead and went to the eraser part, my sermon today is over forgiveness, and she even used one of the verses that I've gotten down, so it's just, I love it when God just puts things together. So if you'll please rise for the reading of the word, it's going to be in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts for his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brothers his trespasses. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity to share this message that you've put on my heart. Father, I just pray that you'll give me the strength to get through this, that you'll just remove me from the situation and let it be your words that flow through me. Father, I pray that your eyes and hearts and minds will be opened up to receive this word, Father. We love you and we praise you. Actually, thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So how many people in here have ever been offended, lied to, stolen from, betrayed, or gotten hurt by somebody. It's hard to forgive somebody when they do that to you. And it's really hard to forgive somebody to do that to you when you consider them family or friends. But what about when it's more than just a lie to or stolen from? What about when it's abused, whether it's physical or sexual? Then it becomes even harder to forgive. What about when something happens to one of your family members? For all you parents in here, what if something happens to one of your kids? When somebody intentionally hurts your kids, it becomes very hard to forgive that person. What about when the person you're having a hard time forgiving is yourself? What about trying to forgive somebody that's murdered somebody in your family? See, there's a man in Abilene. He was a former gang member in Houston. He'd been to prison for attempted murder, in and out of trouble. 
he had a twin brother, and his twin brother was murdered. And all his gang members and his family thought he'd retaliate and thought he'd go after him and he thought he'd go try to kill him. But instead, he gave his life over to God. And he started a ministry where he travels all over the United States. You can bring him to the churches or whatever you want to do, but most of his events are held in parks in the ghettos. And he connects with them through, through music, and then he'll preach to them. But one of his songs it has the most powerful lyrics I've ever heard, and he's talking about how his, when his brother got killed, and he says, my mother's praying that those killers get life, but I'm praying that those sinners find Christ. And that's a powerful statement because not only is he forgiving the people that murdered his brother, but he's also praying for their salvation. And through his ministry, there's videos on Facebook where you can watch where he's at, and gang members are coming up and taking off their bandanas and laying them at the altar. And druggies are coming up and pulling drugs out of their pockets and laying them down at the altar. See, when he was able to forgive and truly forgive, God filled him with the Holy Spirit and used him as a vessel to go into places that we can't go. So we'll look back at our key verses today, and we start with Matthew 18, 21, where Peter asked, how many times should I forgive? Up to seven? You see, Peter truly thought he was being very generous. Because back in those days, the Pharisees and the rabbis, they did preach on forgiveness, but they limited it because of their hard-heartedness and their legalistics. You were only supposed to give, forgive somebody three times. So when Peter said seven, he thought he was being really woken up. You know, look at me, I'm going to forgive seven times. That's double what they say, plus one. But in verse 22, Jesus says, I tell you to forgive 70 times, times seven. So he's not saying that we should forgive 490 times. I mean, can you imagine if we all carried around a book and every time somebody offended us, we put a little tally? Like five more and you're done. But what he's telling us is that we should just not keep track of how many times we forgive. If somebody comes to us and is truly repentant for what they did, we should forgive them no matter how many times it is. And then in verse 23 through 27, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And that pay must be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave his debts. So I wanted to know how much a talent was. And if you look it up, it's so hard to figure out. Part of it is talking about weight. Part of it is talking about money. And it goes anywhere from one talent is 20 years worth of wages to another article that said it's anywhere from $1,000 to $30,000. So for sake of argument, let's just say $1,000. So one talent is equal to $1,000, so 10,000 talents would be equal to $10 million. So the master forgave a debt of $10,000. And that's just extraordinary because there's no way I could pay back $10 million of debt. So was Jesus exaggerating this number? But what if we look at it as sins? To sin means to fall short of. So how many times do we fall short on a daily basis? There was a time in my life where I probably fell short several thousand times a day. And still to this day, I fall short several times. So let's just say, for sake of argument, let's say 100 times a day. That's 365 times a year. That's 36,000, or 365 days a year, my bad. That would be 36,500 times a year. And the average man lives about 74 years. 
So that comes up to 200, or 2,700,000 times a year that we fall short. And that's a debt that we can't pay, but God has still forgiven us. So in verses 28 through 34, it says, But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay his debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called them, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So again, depending on where you look, 100 denarii is worth anywhere between $10 and $100. So how many times does God forgive us of our 2 million sins, but we hold one against somebody else? So what is the true meaning of forgiveness? The Greek word used in the New Testament is aphesis. Don't quote me on that because I'm not sure that's how you pronounce it. Which means to let go or release. It's that simple, just to release. To forgive means to choose someone whom you're holding in your debt, holding in resentment and in bitterness, and forgive them. So why is it so hard to forgive? It's because the enemy is a good salesperson. Satan knows, that, knows the freedom that we can have if we forgive and knows that if he can keep us, from holding on, keep us from letting go of just one thing, it can hinder our relationship with Christ. So he whispers these little lies to us. First, he tries to convince us that because we're church folk, we don't really sin that much. What we do is nothing compared to drug dealers, murderers, thieves, adulterers, terrorists. Our sins, by comparison, are just small, so we don't really need forgiveness. Second, the enemy tries to discourage us from forgiving by trying to get us to say, I'll forgive him, but only if he apologizes first. You see, God's the only one good enough to demand repentance before issuing forgiveness. And third, he tells us our attitude should be, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget what he's done. See, this is a foolish statement because God requires forgiveness from our heart, not just from our mouths. But let me clarify, forgiveness doesn't mean excusing something or pretending it didn't happen. Some people believe that if you forgive someone that's bullied you or abused you or hurt you in any way, that you must act like it's never happened or that it really wasn't as bad. That's not so. Nor does it mean that you should expose yourself to let it happen again. The objective of forgiveness is not to distort reality. It is to cleanse your heart of the poison of bitterness and resentment. See, this poison can wreck your relationship with God, with your family, with your friends, it can affect your joy, and it can even affect you medically. Medical science has linked unforgiveness to all kinds of elements, including stress, anxiety, depression, headaches, backaches, stomach aches, diabetes, hypertension, and heart problems. Nelson Mandela, for those of you young ones that probably don't know who he is, he was an icon for peace and fought for freedom in South America. He was in prison for 27 years because of it. When he was released, he chose to forgive the people that sent him to prison. And not only did he forgive them, but he worked alongside of them to improve his country. And when asked why, he replied, having resentment towards someone is like drinking poison and thinking it will kill your enemy. 
See, I've seen a lot of people in my life, and I was probably one of them for a while, that carried a lot of bitterness towards others. I talked about them behind their backs. I always wished the worst for them. I complained, said it wasn't fair when something good happened in their lives, and I rejoiced when something bad happened in their lives. And the whole time, the person I was holding that bitterness to didn't even know they were affecting my happiness. You see, they're just living their life, minding their own business, and we're sitting there fuming and destroying our own happiness. See, when we, when we can't forgive somebody, we're giving that person power over our happiness. But what about when the person you can't forgive yourself? Many of us have done things that are unmentionable, things that we just want to bury down in the deepest, darkest holes and never let it see the light of day again. Things that every time we do start feeling good about our life, the enemy reminds us of it and tells us that there's no way God could forgive us for that. Things that we're so afraid that if anyone ever found out, it would just destroy us and destroy our reputations. See, we can't move on from what we've done because we can't forgive ourselves for doing it. We carry that shame and we let it destroy us. It affects our families. It affects our friends. And soon people don't even want to come around us because we've let that poison turn us into miserable people. Our mind is in a constant conflict between shame and fear. The shame of what we did and the fear of the punishment of what we did. We believe there's no way that God could forgive us. But in reality, he already has. Jesus says, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Satan's the one telling us that it's not. Satan's the one that keeps us living in our own torment. Because he knows that unforgiveness keeps us from God's love. It causes us to always be bitter and hateful. We sit around talking about other people and try to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. We bring up everybody else's faults, everybody else's mistakes. We claim that there's no way they could ever change their lives. All because we can't forgive things that we've done in our past. But there is a way to receive the forgiveness that we need. If we confess and repent, 1 John 1, 9 if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So instead of, a, instead of bearing our sins, we need to admit them. God already knows what we've done anyway. So we need to admit it and ask for forgiveness. We need to cry out to him, and he'll give us the strength to release ourselves from the burden of sin. Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who mourn are the ones who repent and genuinely show remorse for their sins. God wants you to come to him so that he can comfort you. Next thing you need to remember that Satan is the one reminding you of your sins. He wants, you to, he wants to keep you living in your shame so that you don't share your testimony of God's love and forgiveness. You know, Satan brings up my past a lot and tries to remind me of all the things I've done. But here's what I tell him. You're right. I did do that. But my father's forgiven me, and you can't use that against me anymore. And lastly, share your story. When you allow God to use for good what the enemy tried to destroy you, you'll start seeing redemption, and you'll begin to heal. You see, shame and condemnation are not from God. Confess what you've done. Ask for forgiveness. Receive it, and walk in freedom. So the altar is going to be open. And as we sing the song, I encourage each and every one of you to search your hearts. I encourage you to ask God to search your hearts. There's a lot of times that we carry bitterness and resentment to people that we don't even remember it. But there's something that's holding us down. There's something that's keeping us from truly receiving God's glory. 
So ask God to search your heart and to reveal anything that you're carrying, whether it's something that you're carrying against yourself or against somebody else. And ask God to give you the strength to be able to release them or yourself. And come up to the altar and confess your sins. You don't have to confess it to me or to the church, just confess it to God. Ask for forgiveness and receive the freedom that we all deserve. So I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. Y'all please stand. My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message that you put on my heart. Father, I know that there is a lot of unforgiveness that many of us carry, Father, and I just pray that you'll just uh, bring it to light and just allow us the strength to release it and to forgive this person and to move away from this bitterness and hatefulness that we carry. Father, I just ask that you'll speak to each and every one of us individually. Father, I love you, I praise you, and I give you the glory. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.